Colleagues, welcome back to the office. It's Steve and welcome to the CPE Today podcast. We're going to get started with our podcast presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I'd like to share some insight on how you can receive credit for watching today's presentation. There are two options. You can either watch live as it's being recorded through Zoom, more on that here in a moment, or you could be watching or listening on demand wherever you happen to receive content. We distribute our show through YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, our website, and many other places. Now, if you happen to be watching on demand on your own schedule, after watching or listening to today's class, head on over to cpetoday.com and locate today's course page. Uh, you can find our course code by looking at the footer of the presentation to see the link presented there. And it will also be mentioned throughout the presentation on multiple occasions. After com purchasing today's class, you'll complete a short five question quiz on what was discussed in today's presentation. And upon passing that your certificate for your CPE credits will be automatically generated and available for download. In addition to your purchase, you can also download copies of today's presentation, learning materials. You can ask the presenter questions and more. Now, if you happen to be watching live as it's being recorded through Zoom, your attendance will be confirmed through attendance prompts, which will occur every 12 to 20 minutes and approximately four per hour. They'll pop up automatically. And when a prompt comes up, please choose a response to confirm your attendance. It doesn't actually matter what you choose as long as you choose something as your response will confirm your engagement with our presentation. Attendance prompts might not be announced, so please keep an eye out for them. Now, as long as you've com uh, completed at least 75% of the attendance prompts, you will receive full credit for our presentation. Your completion certificate will be delivered to you by email within two business days of the event. You can always visit cpetoday.com if you have any questions or issues with your certificate. After our presentation today, we'd love to know what you think. Uh, there will be a course evaluation that will automatically pop up. It should take you anywhere from one to three minutes to complete, and your feedback will be used to help us produce better content in the future. Now, if you have any questions or comments throughout the presentation, we'd love to know what they are. Please use the chat or the Q&A functionality to let us know what you think, or if you have any questions on the materials that are being presented. Also, please feel free to share your experience, knowledge, and insight with the class. If you have any technical issues, you can also use that functionality to ask for help. You can always find great content at cpetoday.com. We have a variety of self-study and live courses from all topics, accounting, audit, personal development, Excel, QuickBooks, and more, you name it. Check out cpetoday.com. And the CPE Today podcast is made available Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can always find great content being discussed in that podcast every single week. If you happen to be a new user, listener, viewer of the CPE Today podcast, thank you so much for coming. Welcome. We're ecstatic and happy to have you. How about you get a free credit on us? Use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to get a free credit for today's class. We're going to go ahead and get started with our presentation here in the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy our presentation. All right, folks, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're going to get started here and pick back up right in just a minute. I uh, want to make sure that you are back, that you can hear me and you can see me. If you wouldn't mind, go ahead and open up that chat box and uh, shoot me a message. Let me know that you're connected, that you're good to go for our next section here. We can go ahead and get started. Thank you, Cole. Appreciate that. Linda, Kim, 
Scott Janet. Excellent, excellent. All righty. Patrick, welcome back. Scott, welcome back. Excellent. All right, folks. Well, we're going to go ahead and pick back up. We're exploring some different options inside of uh, Excel. Um, in That's where we kind of left off here, exploring some of the different pivot table options. Uh, we've taken a look and we've done a simple example here, pulling data in from Power Query and creating a data model. We're going to explore that option here a little bit further. Uh, we've also done a good summary review on why business intelligence is important inside of our organizations and why we might want to consider uh, utilizing this at a deep level. Now, um, where we're going to pick back up is just looking through some of our different pivot table options here, including things like sorting and filtering our data, as well as uh, some of the other methods to present our data for use inside of our business, including things like slicers and timelines. So um, from there, what we're going to go ahead and do is take a look at chapter three. Um, and from chapter three, we're going to explore these options a little bit further, uh, specifically looking at Power Query, Power Pivot. Uh, and the like, uh, trying to understand where and how we might want to utilize some of these tools. And then uh, we're going to go ahead and explore Power BI thereafter. Now, before we get rolling here again, just want to take a second. Does anybody have any specific questions on any of the materials that we've covered up to this point? Anybody have anything that uh, uh, they'd like me to answer or review? If so, great opportunity to go ahead and uh, open up that chat box and shoot me a message. And I will do my best to try to incorporate that into our presentation today. Alrighty, so I showed you how you can group things inside of a pivot table here. Let me show you a couple other things that you could do with a pivot table as well, which are effective. Um, one of the things you'll notice when you're working throughout pivot tables is that you got these little little arrows pointing down. Okay, what those little arrows pointing down represent is the ability to be able to go in and sort and filter our data. Uh, we could sort both on the x-axis as well as in the y-axis here. So if you've got one or two, for example, sort newest to oldest, you could flip the orientation of your uh, in this case, our x-axis. We can also come over here on our row labels and choose to sort this other ways as well. You know, so if we want to put this into a different order, we can go ahead and do so. Now, other things that you could potentially do here is that you could choose to sort by other uh, methods as well. You've also got, for example, if you come over here to the data menu, sorry, let me do this. If we come over here, we could go ahead and select this more sort options. We can go ahead and choose to sort further down within our data as well. Okay, so by default at the moment, this is set to manual. What this means is that we can, and it's kind of hard to see this, but if I come right over here to the side of my cell here, I can actually pick these things up and I can reorder them. Okay, but we can also let the application sort them as well. If we come over here to this more sort options, uh, this is where we can go ahead and choose to sort by, you know, whatever we'd like, you know, so we can go ahead and sort by this and it'll go ahead and put that into that order as well. Now we can also filter our data as well. And so filtering, uh, sorting just puts, keeps everything in the same view, but it puts it into a specific sequence. Filter will actually remove things from view. So if we wanted to, we could go ahead and click on uh, the little down arrow here and we could choose to sort by, or sorry, be able to filter and we could choose discrete things. So in this particular case, we're looking at our product lines and we could remove specific products if we'd like. Okay, or we could highlight this as an example, our Northeast. Notice wherever my active cell is, 
when I click the sort and filter button, that is what we're going to see present. Uh, so if I click drives as an example, and I come over here, notice we're seeing our product lines listed. Okay. And so if we wanted to remove drives, we could discreetly unselect, select all, and then select the ones that we'd like, uh, leaving in this case drives off. And if we click that, we'll see that, uh, in fact, let's go ahead and do that here, uh, that those items do go away. Okay, so that's another option with respect. Now, I'll also point out too, there's another filter option with respect to pivot tables too. So if we come back over here from our pivot table analyze and on the far left, far right, you'll see this option that says field list. You also have an option over here called filters where you can drop in your filters. Let's just go ahead and move our region two up here to filters. And when we do this, notice that it puts our other region up here above this. and our other option with respect to filters is that we can filter the whole report through a pivot table report. Uh, when we are filtering in the actual pivot table itself, we're just filtering off the values. Here, we're setting a macro level filter that'll affect everything that is actually presented in the pivot table below it, okay? So you have that option as well. Now, with respect to your filters, there's actually a lot of options here that you should be familiar with, okay? Now, if we click over here to our date filters and come in here, you'll notice that you've got specific options depending on the data type that you're working with. So in this particular case, if we if we were on a date field and we selected date filters, we could actually filter through a number of options present. And some of these are pretty nifty with respect to relative filtering in the sense that I could say today, tomorrow, next week, next month, so on and so forth. And in selecting those options here, uh, it looks at the case of like, for example, today's calendar. And if we selected this month, it's going to filter down just to um, what, is, uh, what is presented. So that's an option that you could select as well. Okay, so let's clear our filter there. And you could also filter based off of the value presented as well. Okay, so if we wanted to filter based off of only cells that are greater than, let's just say 200,000. Okay. Let's try that one more time. Sometimes you gotta, it depends on where you put this. Okay, let's try this one. I don't know why it doesn't want to filter up based off of that, but you could filter based off of the specific values that are present as well. And let me try this one more time. Value filters. Yeah, that should be right. Let's see. Let's say greater than, and let's do 200K. Maybe they're all, yeah, they're all over. No, that shouldn't be. Yeah, let's just say a million. Let's just make it a big number. I don't know why it's not filtering there, but I'm sure it's something I'm overlooking. Pretty, uh, pretty basic, I'm guessing. And uh, it would filter accordingly based off of those values. We'll do some other filtering later on in Power BI that'll show you kind of the same thing there. Uh, but label filters will filter based off of the label. So in this particular case, if we wanted to filter just off of things in the West or whatever the words are, value filters will base off of uh, wherever... Um, wherever the, um, whatever, like the value of that particular item is as well. So 
uh, that is an option that you could present. And there's lots of different options with respect to filtering based off of the um, these things, as you can see here. And I'll also point out, as you start to utilize uh, conditional formatting, which is going to be one of the things we're going to talk about here in a little bit, uh, you get other options as well with respect to basing your filtering based off of color or based off of the um, icon that's in that cell or, or something else like that, which is which is pretty useful. Um, and I tend to do that quite often with respect to uh, getting my my data to uh, pop and, you know, kind of sort and filter the, the correct way. Uh, so that is something that you could potentially uh, do. Now, something I will point out. Let's go ahead and have another polling question here as well. So I'm going to pop that up for you. Okay, something else that I will point out that I tend to use quite often here is slicers. Okay, slicers are kind of like the easy button with respect to your reporting. Um, so inside of your reporting, you'll notice as you kind of start and filter down to these different things, it could be quite tedious as I tried to do here just a few minutes ago to get these things set up. One of the things that you can do that's quite effective with respect to your reporting is that you can um, set up slicers, which are kind of like an, the best way of describing it is like an easy button with respect to pulling in your data into uh, Excel and then uh, being able to more easily filter upon it. Okay, and instead of having to go through these individual menu options and selecting these different features that you'd like to filter or not filter on, you have a menu that's presented right here that you can just like basically click upon. Okay. Now to go to create your slicers, what you're going to do is you're first going to want to either create a pivot table or a data model. And um, it's just a, a nice thing that you're going to want to set up ahead of time. Uh, because if you go to create a slicer and you don't have a pivot table set up, uh, it's just not going to know how to connect. Okay. Now what you're going to want to do to create your slicers, put your active cell somewhere in the data. If you're outside of the data, like over here on cell H4, if we come over here to the insert menu and we go to create our slicers, it's just not going to know what to connect to. And in fact, if you see here under inserts, uh, you'll see there's a separate menu work group called filters. Uh, this is where you're going to access these tools. And if we go and we click slicers, it's going to pop up here and it's going to say, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, there's no connections, not knowing what to do. If we just move our active cell over here into our um, into our standard uh, pivot table, okay, and we do that exact same operation again, it's going to know exactly what we want to be able to connect to, okay? Now, slicers aren't magical. All they do is set your filter options, and they just make it really easy to be able to filter based off of stuff. Now, when we go to create our slicer, Something that we want to make sure that we do is we pick something that's relatively uh, homogenous uh, throughout the actual data itself. Picking something as an example here, when you would never do this, like sales units, would not be a good option here because you end up with a lot of discrete, separate fields. That's just not what you would want. Okay. The stuff that you're going to want to slice on is going to be your dimensional data. The dimensional data are going to be, in this case, like Midwest, keyboards, monitors, so on and so forth. Those are going to be the fields that you're going to want to uh, create your slicers on. Okay, so when we go to create our active uh, slicers, we're going to go ahead and just put our active cell somewhere in here. And from the insert menu, we're going to go ahead and select slicers. We can click one, we can create two, we can create three, we can create as many as we would like. So in our particular case here, we're going to go ahead and we are going to select 
Uh, we're going to go ahead and select uh, maybe our region, and we're maybe going to go ahead and select our product line. We're going to go ahead and hit OK. OK, and that now gave us two slicers that we can use. OK, and watch what happens. So if we said, I want to go look at data in, you know, for example, the Northeast, and I want to look at monitors. And let me just go ahead and expand this whole field. OK, we're looking just at that data. If we said we want to look at data in the West and we want to look at drives, we're looking just at that data um, for that particular thing. Now we could create multiple uh, slide. I'm sorry, we can filter on multiple things at the same time by just selecting and holding down control and selecting the things that we'd like. So in this case, we can select Northeast and West, or we could be in just West and we could click keyboards, drives and monitors, and uh, uh, it will select just those appropriate items as well. Okay. Now for slicers, let me show you a couple things that I like doing with these. Uh, first and foremost, I think they serve best either above the data or to the left of the data. Pivot tables need room to grow and they always grow down and to the right. So creating space above them and to the left is a good place to put them. Okay, so we can go ahead and shrink these guys down. Okay. And we're gonna go ahead and move our product line maybe over here. Okay, and just like uh, pivot tables, they also get their own contextual aware menu, okay? If you are inside of a slicer and you've got this active, you'll notice up in the menu, the ribbon here, you'll see the slicer option presented. And what we're gonna wanna do here is go ahead and select that slicer option. And from here, we can adjust the color. Uh, we can also, for example, add additional columns to this. So if we wanna make this a little bit more you know, user and friendly and intuitive, we can go ahead and do so. And so this is usually where I have these things hanging out is kind of in this, in this realm. Okay. Now slicers also do some other pretty nifty things that you should be familiar with. And this isn't a slicers or Excel class. So I'm not going to be able to go further than beyond pointing this out, but in the slicer menu over here under report connections, you can connect the slicer to multiple different things inside your workbook, multiple tables, multiple pivot tables and the like. And the benefit of this is that it allows you to have one slicer that can control multiple things inside your workbook. Um, this would be useful like if you had a big workbook with several pivot tables, when you set your filter options to one, it could affect all the other tables or all the other pivot tables inside your report. So that could be really helpful for management as they're working through this particular report to always ensure that when they set their filter options, they're seeing the same thing consistently. Uh, I've been called into many an office to explain why there's two different total amounts only to find out they had filtered down the data in one report and it wasn't present and it wasn't, uh, um, it wasn't, uh, wasn't the same across these different reports. But if we click over here to this report connections, we can actually connect the same slicer to multiple different things inside of our report, which is kind of useful. Okay, now we could also do another thing over here, which is a very similar uh, operation, which is a timeline, okay? So if we come over here to our insert and from the insert menu, we can go ahead and select timeline. Now timeline's like a slicer, but it is for, you guessed it, time. And same rules apply. Make sure you have your active cell somewhere within the data. When you click that slicer, or sorry, the timeline option here, it's gonna prop up and it's gonna say, great, well, 
you need to have a time thing, you know? So in this case, we'll select it. If we have multiple time things, it would show date one, date two, or maybe you had, um, maybe you had, for example, um, fiscal period, and then you have calendar period. You could pick which one you'd want to filter on. In this case, we always have a single date. So we're going to go ahead and select this and it's going to pop up and put this guy here for us. So why don't we move our other filter down? maybe down here and we'll move our timeline filter over here. Okay. We can make this as big as we'd like it to be. And just like this, we also have the same exact options with respect to timeline. Okay. And so we can make it uh, big. We can make it small. We can change the color. We can hook it up to other things. Uh, we can turn off and on stuff. So if we don't want all these different uh, components here, we could just make it simple, you know, uh, whatever we'd like it to be. Okay. Now you can also adjust this. So if I wanted to select, for example, uh, days, we can make it as big or small as we would like it to be. That's probably a little too small. So let's say quarters. So here's Q1 here. And the one thing I will point out with respect to the timeline, unlike slicers though, you can't compare non-congruent time periods. So I can compare QQ, Q2 and Q3, but I couldn't compare Q2 here and Q2 here. It won't go that. So it has to be a congruent time period that will pop up. So that is a little bit with respect to slicers and timelines. And as we start to uh, talk about with respect to our pivot table reports or our um, reports inside of Power BI, slicers become increasingly more important uh, because they are so useful with respect to um, how, uh, how they are um, presenting our data. Um, as we start to look at, for example, presenting our data inside of Power BI, we're almost always wanting to look at specific business units, departments, um, projects. Our, our slicers are going to be how you get down to that level of detail in terms of, uh, of what you're presenting. Okay. All righty. So, Let's go into our next section here, which is going to be visualizations. And this is going to be a good preparation for our data that we're going to want to talk about uh, inside of um, inside of Power BI. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and close this workbook and we're going to go ahead and open up our other workbook here. And we're going to go ahead and take a look at this uh, figure 39 through 45, which is for our charting. Okay. Alrighty. And why don't we go ahead and have another polling question? Let me ask you guys hear the ding. I hopefully dings coming through. I, it should be. I've, I've got my computer audio being sent through zoom. Hopefully this is popping up for you. Alrighty. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, okay. And I'm going to, again, point out one of you haven't responded. If you're having troubles with these polling questions, let me know. Definitely want to make sure everybody here gets full credit, but uh, somebody definitely did not respond. It's been open here for about 30 seconds. So if you didn't see it, you might want to toggle behind and hopefully you can find that polling question there. Okay. So in our next section, we're going to talk about some fundamentals with respect to charts. Okay. And one of the things I want to point out with respect to charts is that different charts represent and mean different things. Okay. 
Um, so we have lots of different charting options and depending on how we want to analyze our data and how we want this data to be explained, we pick the specific chart to represent that specific analysis. The other thing with respect to charts is the data has to be summarized in order for us to be able to work. If we were, for example, to come over here and go and create a chart from this data, Okay, what we would end up with is just something that, frankly, would be very difficult to be able to understand, you know, and the big reason is, is there's just too many data points for us to be able to work with. Now, the only time that this would make sense is if we wanted to do what's called a scatter plot, where every little spot uh, represents a specific data point, but nine times out of 10, that's not what you're looking to do here. Okay, if you have unsummarized data, in order to be able to create a chart or graph, you have to summarize it first. Okay, and that means, for example, doing some summary statistics like averaging, count, sum, so on and so forth. Um, we need to do that. And frankly, that's just, you know, an unnecessary step. One of the things you should be familiar with is over here under the insert menu on the middle, really kind of in the chart section, you have this option called pivot chart. And what's kind of cool is that we can create a chart here. Uh, from our data that's unsummarized and it will create a pivot table and then from that pivot table will create a pivot chart. So if you're working with unsummarized data and you want to create a, a pivot chart from this uh, or you want to create a chart from this data, you could skip a step by summarizing this information and instead just create a pivot chart straight away. Okay, so what we're going to do here is we're going to click up here from our insert menu, go ahead and select this pivot chart. And I'm going to use this as a point here to illustrate why you should create a pivot table. For, I'm sorry, create a table, then create your pivot table from your chart data, as well as uh, showing you how to create some charts itself. Now, from non-table data, when you go to create a, a, a pivot table or a pivot chart, notice here it says get pivot chart, and it's giving us the cellular reference of where things are located, L cell A1 through E431, okay? Um when you don't create a table, it's going to figure out where your data starts and stops, and it's going to reference this in. And you'll notice it's absolutely referencing it in here with cell uh, with the um, money sign being indicated as the absolute reference of this information. Okay, and we can go create our pivot table here. And in fact, let's just do a simple pivot table, and then we'll come back and I'll show you why you want to create a table from this first. And so we'll pull over here our data. And we're going to go ahead and pull our vendor down here to our categories. And we'll pull our amount over here to our values. Okay. Actually, here, let's pull our vendor out and let's pull our uh, account down here. I think that's what I want. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we've gone ahead and we've created our very, very simple example of a pivot chart. Now, let me just show you a quick thing with respect to why creating a table from your pivot table data uh, before creating a pivot table is so effective. Let's just say, for example, you're working with your data here. And let's say we wanted to create a new column called sales tax collected. Okay. And we're just going to impute. I'm just going to say, let's just say uh, 8% as an example here. Okay. And then we'll copy this down. Okay. So we've created some new data from here. If we wanted to add this data to the pivot chart, how will we do so? Go ahead and open up that chat box and tell me how you think you might add that data to the pivot chart, okay, or to the pivot table, either way. Okay, you notice if we come back over here, we've created that new data, but it's not present. Okay, maybe if we come over here and we hit this data and then we go ahead and we select this refresh all, okay? 
notice again, that new column is not created. And this would be the same as if we had added data below it. And the reason being is that if we create a pivot table or pivot chart from just standard Excel data, we have to define the data source. Okay, we do that by coming over here to the pivot table analyze option. And then we're going to go ahead and write smack dab in the middle here under data, you'll see this data option listed. And notice, it's still that same reference, it's still a one through E 431 here. Okay. Even though there's a new column listed here, you'll see that the parameters of this data set stop at column E. We actually have to come over here and we have to redefine this data source to include column F in order for that new column to pop up here, okay? So I'm gonna use this as a learning, uh, learning example. Let's just delete our, our pivot table data here. And instead, let's just turn this data into a table first, okay? And I'm gonna delete my sales column uh, sales text column here. And so we're going to turn this data into a table by hitting control T and from control T, what we're going to do here, you'll see it says create a table. And uh, we're certainly going to want to ensure our table has headers. And we're certainly going to want to ensure our data is contiguous. There's no completely blank columns, any completely blank rows. Those are just best practices for all things Excel. And uh, we're going to go ahead and hit okay here. Okay. Not only does that fast and efficient, once we've turned this into a table, there's a number of really good benefits, starting first and foremost with that we can programmatically apply our style, okay, to be whatever we'd like it to be. But if we go now to create that pivot table, we could do so straight from the table design and selecting this pivot table, summarize with pivot table option. Okay, notice it has, instead of the cellular position of where everything is, it instead has the range. Um, or it has the name of the table in case table one, I should get in the best practice. You should get in the best practice of giving this a name. So in this case, we're going to go ahead and say, uh, check register as our table name. Uh, it just makes it easier to reference these things, especially as you start to have large quantities of tables listed inside your data set. But when we click this summarize with uh, pivot table, you'll notice it says, great. Uh, it doesn't give you the, the reference of where something is like a to column E here. It just says check register. If we click okay, we go through that same position of creating our pivot table. Okay, we go through that same position of creating our pivot table here. Let's zoom in so you can see this a little bit better. But if we go and we create a new column or we add a new row, whatever data is in the scope of the whatever data is in the scope of the table is now going to be in the scope of the chart, the pivot chart, the pivot table or power view worksheet, or really kind of anything else listed. Uh, and so if we create that same column over here, sales tax collected. Okay. Notice that table automatically expands to include that new row or that new column. And if we create a new uh, value here, a new column, I'll also point out, makes referencing formulas much simpler. We reference by position, by, uh, by name of column rather than position. So in this case, we're going to go ahead and say the amount column times 8%. That at sign means the current row. So the current row in the amount column times 8%, we're going to add that value. Check this out. When we hit enter, it'll automatically replicate that formula down. I mean, it's magical with respect to what these things could do. And in our pivot table, if we just go ahead and come over here to the data tab and click this refresh all, listed here, 
that new column automatically gets included and we can actually include it in. So creating a pivot table from table data, you should do that 100% of the time because it just makes everything faster, simpler, and easier, okay? So that was a good example of why you should include this. Let's go ahead and create our pivot chart though from this data. So we've got our data in, we've got our data into a table. Let's go and create some charts from this table. So from here, we're gonna select the insert menu and on the far, well, I guess not really the far, but really kind of smack dab here in the middle, part pivot chart. We're gonna select this option and you'll see here from table range, check register, which is the name of our table. And we're gonna go ahead and hit okay, okay? And from here, we can go ahead and we can now start to create our uh, pivot chart. So we'll, we'll pull exactly the same way that we've done before. We're gonna pull the different sections of this report to where we'd like to see these things visualized. And so we're gonna go ahead and choose our amount down here to values. We're gonna pull our vendor over here to our categories. And we're gonna go ahead and stack our account above vendor so we can get a little bit of hierarchy. And we can make this thing a little bit bigger as well in order to be able to see these visualizations. Now, one of the cool things is when you're working with pivot charts, the pivot table will control what data is presented in the chart. So over here on the on the left-hand side of our pivot table, if we, for example, want to collapse just down to our accounts, we can right-click on beverages here, and we can go ahead and select collapse entire field, and you'll see that that report automatically updates. Uh, so it, it will move lockstep. If we, for example, expand our food, uh, as we just did over here, you'll see that food expands. We actually get two new columns that pop up here, each representing each separate vendor. Now, at any point, we could change this visualization. If we came and selected, in this case, our, our pivot chart here, you'll notice you have a couple of extra options here. In addition to your pivot table, you've now got a whole pivot chart option work uh, ribbon menu. We can go ahead and select our pivot chart analyze and access any of our pivot table stuff. If we select over here to our design menu though, we get access to all of our visual appearance as it relates to this specific pivot chart. And so we could change how it looks. Uh, we could flop our Excel data if we wanted to, so it could be oriented or transposed if we wanted to. And I wanna draw your attention over here to select chart type, okay? And from the select chart type, this is gonna be where we could choose a different visualization. And there are a lot that are present. And the good news is over the last couple of years, Excel has uh, expanded the pivot chart options to be able to support um, additional chart types. It used to be a pivot chart. You could only really do the basics like line charts and bar charts. Now you can pretty much do all of them. There's going to be a couple that are not supported like this tree map here. It'll say, hey, sorry, you can't do that. And if you wanted a tree map, you could use Power BI and you could also just you know, summarize your data and then create your pivot chart from there uh, separately if you'd like to do so. Okay, so um, some major ones, you've got your column charts as an example here. Uh, columns are gonna be the most common of uh, display types. They displays data points in vertical columns. Um, the one thing I will point out is that column charts do not convey by default passage of time. Uh, meaning it's not something that's going to show you change over time unless you specifically made one of your axes like Q1, Q2, Q3. More often, though, what we end up doing if we want to do display things over time is that we will create a uh, bar chart that is what we call a stacked bar chart. So like, for example, here, 
if we created and pulled our time over to our columns, and let's go ahead and right click on this, select group, and let's just get this down to quarters, not months or days, okay? This kind of can convey time. What we see here is that we actually see for any one given thing, like payroll expense here, four columns, each one representing Q1, Q2, Q3, and Q4. Um, so it's kind of mimicking what you would see based on over time here. And so this is what we call a stacked chart. And anything that is showing you in the same um, sequence, you know, basically multiple columns in the same thing, that's going to be that stacked bar chart. Okay, now we could do a line chart. Line charts do convey passage over time. Generally, as you move across the x-axis, that shows you time uh, for something. We could uh, also do a pie chart. Pie charts are useful for showing you parts against the whole. So in this particular instance, if we were looking at uh, a specific quarter, uh, let's actually go ahead and remove our date axis, okay? And uh, just show you this. This is showing us the distribution of revenue, or in this case, expenses, uh, across these different categories. Okay. And if we uh, collapse our food here, we'll see that that chart again also uh, conveys. Okay. Um, you can also do what's called a donut chart. Come on over here and we're going to go ahead and select this option. Donuts do the exact same thing, but as you would imagine, just like with a donut, there's a hole in the middle. Okay. Now you have radar charts. Okay, a radar chart. These are kind of a relatively new thing. Uh, with a radar chart, they kind of show you, um, uh, give you a separate axis for really kind of every category of your data. And the axis extend outwards from the center. And they're used to identify the relationship between different things. Um, you know, so if you wanted to be able to understand, in this case, like expense versus uh, payroll versus uh, you know, food versus labor, like you want to understand how those two things move in lockstep, you can create, create a radar chart to be able to um, analyze that data uh, as it relates to those different independent categories. Okay. And these are going to become, I think, a little bit easier as we start to work with, uh, with different, um, with different uh, charts inside of Power BI. I think they actually even work a little bit better. But when comparing different things against each other, I would tell you that your column chart is probably your best chart overall. When comparing data over time, line charts and area charts are usually superior. Pie and donut charts are going to be really useful when you want to compare things against the whole. Uh, and then there's other charts that kind of have niche things as well. Uh, let me show you one of the other ones that I think are really useful for you to know as well. And it is a chart on two axis. Okay. Um, let me think about this. I got to, I got to, got to mock up something really quickly for you here. Okay. And I'm going to do equals rand. Give me one second. So I'm going to do a quick thing here. What I wanted to illustrate here is a chart on two axis, whereas we want to compare two things against each other. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and do a quick formula here called rand between. And it's going to be from zero to one. Actually, no, I want to do from 0.1 to, let's say, 0.3. I think it'll do that. All right. And let's 
let's just go ahead real quick here. Oh, no, it'll only do that. Okay. All right. We're going to do one here. We're going to do between 1 and 100. Okay. Actually, no, let's do 1 to 30. And then we're going to go ahead and divide this by 100. There we go. Okay. And I'm going to do a quick paste special. Okay. There we go. And... There we go. Okay. So as an example here, uh, let's say you wanted to compare things that are two very different axes or uh, let's just call it size. Okay. Uh, profitability, expense, cost of goods sold, mar profit margin. You're typically dealing with percentages here. And this isn't a perfect example. This is mostly just to illustrate the chart. But let's say you've got one thing that's very big and you got one thing that's very small. And if you were comparing profitability and revenue, that would be a good thing. You can earn a lot of revenue, but have a low profit margin. You could also earn a little revenue and have a high profit margin. But ultimately you're comparing, you wanna look at two different numbers side by side with each other. One's big and one's small. And so what I did here with this brand between, so I just had to generate a random number between one and 30 representing like a profit margin. And um, I just wanted to be able to compare these two numbers next to each other. Okay, we'll come back over here. We're gonna refresh our data. Okay, now we've got our profitability and we're gonna drag our profitability uh, down here. And instead of doing our sum of profitability, we're gonna go ahead and do our average of our profitability. Okay. Now, if we wanted to summarize this, if we wanted to summarize this, we've got two very, very different numbers that are presented here, okay? So we've got 60,000, and then in this case, we're also looking at 0 0.017, okay? Um, or Yeah, 0 0.17 here. The point of the matter is, if you look, you'll notice that that small number, notice how it doesn't even register on this pivot chart. And, and again, it's because you're comparing one gigantic number against another. Uh, which is much, 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 much orders of magnitude smaller. One type of report that's really useful if you wanted to compare a percentage against the whole number here is what we call a chart on two axes. So if we come over here to our combo, or sorry, our change chart type from our design menu, you'll see there's an option down here called combo. And what's kind of cool with this combo chart is that you can have two different things here. One's a whole number and one's a percentage. And you can put that other percentage here on a secondary axis. And in doing so, let's go ahead and click OK here. We're now able to compare two different things that are on very different sizes of um, two different, very different size things. One's a percent zero to one. The other one is a whole number. And we can give their fair due and be able to analyze those two things side by side with each other. So I personally really, really like that uh, being able to compare those two different things from two different uh, orientations because I, it allows you to be able to get more data onto that spreadsheet in the same amount of space. And so that combo chart, you could take something like a percentage, like for profit or cost of goods sold, uh, gross profit percentage, um, whatever, and you could put it onto a, a secondary axis over to the right here. And now you can look at both numbers simultaneously, you know, so this isn't perfect because we're looking at cost data and I've, I've put it into profitability. I couldn't think of anything else off the top of my head, but we could see here, you know, like something like uh, payroll expense. Um, maybe that isn't payroll expense. Maybe it's payroll income as an example here. We could say we really don't make a lot of like profit margin on this, but here we don't make a lot of revenue, but it has high profit. And so we can kind of understand those two things in context.
Now, inside of your combo chart here, we could change the orient. We could change the type. So, for example, maybe we don't do a line chart. Maybe we do do a point. You know, or we could add something different. If we wanted to, we could also, uh, you know, put this as, uh, you know, maybe over here as a bar chart going across. Although I will point out that would be incredibly confusing. Most of the time, what I end up doing is I will do and I will take. Uh, this specific chart and I will do, let me see if I can get this going here. I'll basically do a point chart like this, but then what I end up doing is I end up removing the line. Let me see if I can get that to go away. Yeah. Like this. And so I'll end up doing something that like this. And then I'll also, for example, make that. Let's see. I want to make that. I'll make it thicker and you can do so. There's a little bit of a hassle with this, but you can double click these little points and you can make them a little bit bigger. And that's usually what I intend on doing here. And I, I personally think that makes it a little bit easier to read and understand. Okay, so that is your different chart options. These are gonna become more important as we start to look through in Power BI. So kind of keep some of these things in mind. They're gonna come back to uh, for us to visit here in a little bit. Okay, the next thing we're gonna talk about here is gonna be conditional formatting, okay? Conditional formatting, super useful tool, tool to be able to analyze data as it relates to changing business conditions. And with respect to conditional formatting, uh, what ends up happening with conditional formatting is that it applies visual appearance rules based off of what a cell's value is. Okay. And you can do some pretty cool stuff with respect to conditional formatting that are kind of useful for you to know. So with respect to for conditional formatting here, we can, uh, for example, <clears throat> we can, for example, take our sales data here and be able to include things like uh, an icon, you know, that could show us a little icon and that iconography could be really helpful to know what's flat, what's growing, what's declining. Okay, we could use that same approach and we can, for example, put a bar in and that little bar uh, is what we call a data bar. And the bigger that bar is, the larger that item is compared to the other items inside of that data set. Okay, um, we could, for example, also conditionally highlight things depending on what we'd like it to be. So if it's big, it can turn one color. If it's small, it can turn another color and the like okay so there's lots of options with respect to how and where you can apply this conditional formatting and so let's go ahead and explore some different options with respect to where conditional formatting could be and this is also going to be the same inside of power bi so you know learning this here is going to help you in both applications all righty let me go ahead and clear our conditional formatting here and then we'll go ahead and get started. Alrighty. So conditional formatting is going to live over here under the home tab inside of Excel, and it's going to be next to the styles option from that home ribbon. And so from here, you're going to see conditional formatting listed. And if we expand this, there are several different options with respect to our conditional formatting. Okay. So we have highlight rules. These highlight rules will highlight a cell and apply 
visual appearance depending on that cell's value. And so you could select cells that are bigger than a specific value, less than a value, between two numbers, equal to, and it's also a great way of finding any duplicates. Uh, I can think of five or six different ways of finding duplicates inside of Excel. This is a great method for a non-destructive where you don't want to remove them. You just want to identify anything that might be duplicated. You can do so in here as well. But if a cell is greater than $1,000, $16,000, $20,000, $100,000, it can highlight it like green. If it's below 1000 it can highlight it red or vice versa. We can also have it apply rules based off of an X number of quantity. So even though it says top 10 here, it could be the top three, it could be the bottom five, it could be the top 10%. So if there were 200 items on here, it would highlight 20 items. Uh, if it were a thousand items, it would highlight, you know, a hundred. Okay. We can also do things based off of uh, averages. So stuff that's above average or below average as well. And it'll calculate the average for the population and then appropriately um, highlight those rules. Okay. And then we also have some visual rules. And this is where we start to get into some of the dashboarding that we can do inside of Excel, you know, and it can be as simple as just applying conditional formatting. Uh, we have data bars and these data bars can apply a specific color depending on a cell's value and it will put a bar in that cell and the bigger that bar is the larger that item is compared to the relative uh, population likewise we can color things specific colors uh, red amber green red white and blue different shades of green different shades of yellow and we can also apply iconography to something as well okay so just to kind of give you a couple of examples of how we can leverage conditional formatting, uh, we've got our K2 electrical supplies here and we've got our actual. And so uh, here, let's go ahead and highlight this entire data set. So we're highlighting cells C6 through C18. And we're going to come over here to our conditional formatting. Let's look at how we would use a couple of these different rules. So we're going to go ahead and select highlight cells greater than and we can put in a number. Okay, and so we could put in, for example, where cells are greater than, uh, let's say, 300,000. We want to go ahead and make those green. Okay, so it's something as simple as this. We put in a number, and if it's greater, it will go into green. Now, if a cell value changes, we've got this 229 here as an example. And let's just say that goes up to 299,000. Well, guess what? It's not going to turn green. If it goes to 300,000, though, or in that case, 3 million, uh, it will go green. And so if values change, the conditional formatting will apply to those cells like rules. And so once you meet the criteria, it can go ahead and apply those rules directly for you. So it's a pretty easy way to be able to apply style uh, to things. Now, we can also layer conditional formatting. So we could, for example, highlight that exact same thing again, and we can go ahead and highlight cells that are, let's say, less than. Okay, and let's just say anything less than uh, 75,000. Okay, we can go ahead and put light red. Okay, and if something changes, let's say, for example, this 81 over here goes to 74. Again, we'll see those numbers change and the correct visual appearance is styled. And uh, we can layer these things on top of each other. Okay, now from this conditional formatting rules, a couple of things that are important to know, uh, we can come up here to this conditional formatting. We can choose to remove the style from selected cells. We can also just drop it from the whole sheet. And we can also come over here to new rule and manage rules. And this is gonna be where we can manage these things 
and uh, appropriately put them in order. Okay, so if we come over here to manage rules, what happens if you have two rules that conflict with each other? Well, you could set priority and whatever rule has priority will take and style those cells appropriately. But this is one of the most common ways of providing basic dashboard rules. All right, so let's go ahead and show you a more complex way of being able to apply conditional formatting. And we can apply conditional formatting um, manually as well. We can actually create formulas inside of conditional formatting and apply those cells, uh, that formula to those cells that are selected. Now, something I'm going to point out with respect to conditional formatting, it's what we refer to as discrete, meaning you have to select what cells it applies to. So like in this case, I can select my variance here and apply it to the variance, but I have to select it. You know, it doesn't know intrinsically where it should be applied to. So when I go to apply, I have to select the cells of where it should, uh, where it should go. In this case, we're going to go ahead and select variance here. And we're going to come up here to conditional formatting. We're going to drop this down. We're going to go ahead and select new rule. And what we're going to do here is we are going to select, uh, in this case, a option here that says use a formula to determine what cells to format. And what we can do here is we can actually apply a format to this specific data set. And what we're going to do here is we're going to tell it when the variance is exceeds 15% to turn that red. Okay. So notice we don't have a variance column listed here or a percentage variance column listed. It's going to do a formula calculation and apply based off of the output of that formula. So in this case, we're going to go ahead and point it and we're going to go ahead and sell, uh, say cell D6. Okay, divided by cell B6. Okay, and we're going to say where it is greater than 0.15. Like this. Okay, now the other thing I'm going to want to do here so I could apply to the whole data set is that what I actually want to do here is I don't want to tie it to a specific um, row number. I just want to tie it to a specific column. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to remove the absolute reference with respect to uh, D6 and B6. So it'll move down there. Okay. And then for here, we're going to go ahead and set this. And in our case, let's just make it simple. And uh, we will change the color here to be red. Um, and that should be good enough. And we'll click OK. And sure enough here, uh, it highlighted our two three cells where the variance was greater than 15%. And so that's a way that we can be able to apply that formatting here uh, through a formula calculation as well. Thank you so much for attending our presentation and podcast for today. As a reminder, you can check out cpetoday.com for all your continuing education needs. We have courses on every topic you can think of from accounting to audit to ethics and regulation and more. Everything you need to know to stay relevant, current, and up-to-date with the profession. Again, check out cpetoday.com. If you're a new watcher or listener to the CPE Today podcast, again, we offer you a free course and a free credit for you to try our services. Pick the podcast of your choosing and use coupon code one free podcast at checkout to make that purchase free. If you enjoyed our presentation, please consider connecting with us on social media and let us know what you think. You can find us just about everywhere at CPE today, uh, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more. 
And please consider subscribing to us wherever you happen to receive your content. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and others. We'd love for you to leave a review and let us know what you think. It helps new listeners and watchers find our course and content. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Thank you for being in the office, and we look forward to seeing you back here soon. Take care.